they think, oh, well, what's the next step? Oh, I know I need the floor guys in. So they call their floor guy and the floor guy says, well, I, I can't get in there for two weeks. They, ha- they don't have a lot of control with are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, everybody. It is Sarah Larby. I hope uh, you are doing well. And we are in the midst of it in quarantine times or social isolation. I don't like that word, actually. It should be physical distancing. But I'm still at the cottage. I've probably lived up here for the last three months, which I must say is pretty nice now that the weather has uh, turned for the better. And uh, here and there, I go back to Oakville. I've uh, finished the Burlington property. It's now listed. I'm going to see if I can actually sell it. If not, then I will either rent it or I'll move into it. It's always good to have more than one exit strategy. But I will say it's going to be interesting times ahead. We haven't really seen much happening in the market right now. It's been just frozen. Sales, listings, all that stuff, it's starting to pick up a little bit. And it's going to be interesting because Ford just announced for the month of June that we are continuing the state that we are in. So we're not moving forward to opening a whole lot more. But, you know, we got to make the best of it. I will say, though, like I mentioned, we haven't seen a whole lot yet. Do I expect things to, to go down? It's, it's going to be interesting because CMHC came out and they said that there might be a, an 18% decrease. And I don't actually think that they are going to be far off. But that 18% decrease, like when we look at all of Canada, is that going to hit certain areas more than others? Absolutely. I think that's the the key piece. As investors in properties that are three, four, five, six hundred thousand, which we're buying, we may not see that same decrease as a multi-million dollar property, as an example. And I think that's where that market is going to pull down. And is it going to be 18%? I don't know. I mean, I will say CMHC has some really smart people doing a lot of a uh, lot of research for them. So it's potential. It's a potential. I know that CIBC also came out with uh, with some, some, I guess, an analysis of what's going to happen in the next few months. But ultimately, we have to prepare for the best and prepare for the worst. So get your cash ready. If it's burning a hole in your pocket, just hang tight. You can still buy some deals now, but make sure that you're ready to buy in the fall, in the winter, because once SERB payments are done. And also once mortgage deferrals resume, then there might be some people that are going to be panicking depending on how many jobs people actually go back to and what that unemployment rate looks like. So again, we don't know, but is there going to be a a little bit of a dip? Absolutely. This is why we buy for cash flow and it doesn't have to be a whole amount of cash flow, but it'll allow us to take that up and down and ride that wave. So hopefully you guys are in good shape. Happy to answer any questions. If you have thoughts or or ideas or, you know, situations that you want to share, feel free to send me an email, sarah at sarahlarby.com. I also have a tenant screening enhanced program that is available because in Ontario, as you guys might know, the landlord tenant board is closed until further notice. So it is going to be crucial where we have control is the screening process screen very thoroughly and there's going to be some added things that you might want to do post-COVID to ensure that those tenants are the right ones for you. So you can check that out, sarahlarby.com. Check out the Tenant Enhanced Program. And I am doing a group coaching as well starting in June, towards the end of June. So if you guys are interested that you can find that information on my website as well. So with that said, I've got two awesome guys on today's podcast Rob and Joel, who are some of my contractors, and they've just finished actually my Burlington property and uh, have done a really good job. And I've used other contractors as well, but I'm really happy with how they they put everything together. This one was really hands-off for me. I'm usually the one working through the different trades and being the contractor piece. So it's nice to be much more hands-off on this one. So they're really awesome and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Rob, Joel, my contractors. Nice to have you on. How are you? We're good. How are you? Good, good. First podcast, right? For you guys? Yeah, we're virgins on this one. 
Nice. So I wanted to bring you on. I don't think we've had too many shows where we've talked about, you know, the whole process of contracting and renovations, but you guys are currently doing one of my projects right now on my Burlington house. We may or may not sell it. And we're still trying to finalize that. But before we get into all of that, how did you guys get into real estate? How did you get into what you do currently being contractors? Well, I've been in it for probably over 12 years. I started as a painter, believe it or not, and I actually worked for Joel. Nice. Then it just built into something else. You, you, you meet a bunch of contacts and then it just feathered into a whole contracting business where you just collect a bunch of contacts <laughs> and it slowly grew into a pretty big business. All right, good. Now, do any of you invest in real estate investing on your own? I, I do. I, I actually, I just purchased one that uh, you guys have been to. We took it to Seven Imelda is a duplex conversion, and we're just actually we just finished it maybe three weeks ago, and uh, are still looking for the basement to be rented out. Um, just during these times, it's looking like a little bit harder to get the rent flow in there, but it's been uh, it's a it's been a process, but it's been enjoyable. All right, good. So one of the things I've had the most trouble with when I first started investing was to find reliable contractors that have fair prices that you don't need to babysit. And a lot of my original burrs, I was doing a lot of babysitting and I was going through a, a lot of different contractors other than um, my father-in-law who did a lot of great work for us and still does. But there is some contractors that just didn't work out, right? I've had contractors that did a great job on a property and the second property, unfortunately, didn't go so well. And you guys seem pretty solid so far. And you also work with a lot of investors. When, when an investor is looking for renovations and finding the right contractors, like what are some things that they should look for? I think you need to see the end product of what they're, uh, they're producing. And if that's a sort of continuous thing, a lot of times that you can knock it out of the park on the first job and then not so hot on the second job. So because we've been doing this for a while, you learn how to, you know, how to correct potential problems with drawings and, and layouts and all that stuff. And also trying to uh, keep it within budget. Right. So Rob and I have been doing this for a while together for a little bit and separate for a longer time. And you, you just, you really learn those things. So if someone's looking for someone to hire, then yeah, it would be a good idea to go around and see some of their projects and see if that makes sense with the, with the ballpark price that you're trying to get. Uh, you want to add to that Rob? Actually, yeah, we, we actually recently just started doing some videos. Uh, <laughs> obviously through you, Sarah, you gave us that, uh, heads up, maybe it'd be beneficial, but it actually is. A lot of times we'd show a before and after and the before and after shots that we'd show a lot of people just scroll through, scroll through. Oh yeah, it looks great. But to actually be able to see the process when our trades are on site and going through and what's going in behind your walls and what you're seeing, it's a good update for these clients. And a lot of clients that we deal with or investors, they, they don't have the time to be there. They don't have time to see actually what's going on. And they want to trust the contractor that's doing the work and just see that the whole thing's getting put together properly and there's no missed days. So timelines are like really a number one priority for us. And, and recently we haven't been able to hit it with this whole COVID era, right. but we, we're really trying, but it's a, it's a real struggle for everybody. But I think a lot of people have had some understanding about it and we're just trying to follow some safety protocols, hence the, Right. Face masks for those of you that are listening that you don't see. Yes, absolutely. We got to do the social isolation, but I'm happy that you guys are still working on, uh, on the Burlington house. You know, obviously there's less staff because we've got to respect the whole, you know, social isolation thing, but things are coming along. I, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, for me, when I heard from a couple other investors about you guys, and then I went to see your work that you did a, a property in Oakville. It is really hard to find the right contractor that you can be hands-off. Like this has been probably the most hands-off project I've done <laughs> in all of my burrs that I, I have done. And because of the lack of time, this was our, our better route to just hire you guys to be able to do it from start to finish. And I think I've been in that house four times now since it started. So 
let's walk through, you know, when you're doing a project, and I know this is a, a full reno that we just did, you know, top and bottom, um, but just a project in, in general, what are some things that we should know as investors when you're starting, when you're quoting, what are, you know, how do you work with investors from the start? So like, for example, you're going to see the property, you're giving them a quote, what are the steps? Well, for us, it's starting with making that good communication, a good relationship with the client. Obviously, they've gotten your referral through somebody. And for us to make that happen with them, you need to approach the scenario with... Uh, I, th- I think what you're trying to say is the ability to learn from the client what they're after. If they, how hands-off they want to be, what kind of finishes they're looking for, the, the target say if they're after renters, the target renters. And that'll change how we approach it too, right? With some of the finishes and uh, all of those things. Like the, a lot of the, the the drawings will dictate exactly what you have to do with the more structural stuff. However, the finishes can vary in price point and, and attractiveness at the end of the job. And so we need to learn what the client is after in order to guide them into that. And to make those decisions earlier on so that it fits within the budget. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I know it does. So like when I brought you guys in, um, and actually we did it before, I think we did a video or you guys went through the property before we removed our conditions, which anybody that's listening, if you've got a property under condition of inspection or financing, good idea is to bring your contractors through so that they can give you a quote and give you an idea of the work that's going to be involved. Because if the budget is going to be double what you predicted and the deal doesn't work anymore, that deal, you might not be able to, to buy it at the price that you did. So that that is important. I think, you know, the other pieces, like you mentioned, Joel and Rob, is just to understand what your clients need. So for us, like I told you what kind of ARV I was looking for, the after repair value, and this is the budget, and here's what we want to do. Here's plan A exit. Here's plan B exit. With COVID and all the economic changes, it might be plan B exit. But let's just fast forward then to the contract and and how people work with you and the different steps. So you have a contract um, that you guys filled out. What's important as an investor to make sure is included in, in those contracts? Well, you want the contract to be clear, professional. So what we do is we provide a quote, and I'm sure a lot of other guys do the same thing. You provide a quote, and then if it's in the ballpark where it financially makes sense for the investment, then it tends to go a little bit back and forth here. Like, oh, let's add this, let's remove this. And that tends to go for you know a number of versions. Then after that, we get into the contract stage. And for us, we just, we dictate everything that's in included, isn't included. And then some, uh, we typically have draw schedules so that, you know, we, we receive payment after X and X is done, right? I think I would advise clients to do that to make sure you're paying after things are done. Like obviously a contractor needs some money up front to know, you know, that you're capable of paying them. And then after that, for the progress. So you encourage the progress of the renovation. It's too many guys, they, they want to pull a lot of money out. And then if you want to be hands off, you don't know your house could sit empty for two weeks. And then you show up on a weekend, you're like, wait a second, this is exactly the same thing it was two weeks ago. <laughs> and I just paid another whatever, 10 grand, 20 grand to them. So I, I think that's one of the things you want to look for. Uh, being an investor with, uh, with contracts. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say too, like you said, like some, something could be the same in two weeks. Like you guys are pretty good with sending us videos and updates of what's been done. So even if, you know, I've only been there four times, I get videos and I get pictures of, of what's been done pretty much on a daily basis so that I know that there's still stuff that's moving forward. So for somebody that really doesn't know anything about construction or doing renos in a property, like what are the, the first steps to the last steps? Like which trades do you bring in first? What do you do in first? If, for example, we were going to do a basement conversion and re- renovate the entire upstairs. You're referring to the whole ba- the renovation construction? Process. Yeah. Process. Okay. So we start with uh, your, your demo team comes in. We get it all cleaned up, everything's stripped down. Then we'll bring in a bunch of trades will come in at once. So you'll have your electricians, your HVAC, and your plumbers all doing your rough-ins. And then after that, you'll be looking at inspections. 
And as soon as you get your inspections and you're able to board, you're looking at mud and tape process after that. And then all your finishes start, which is for us, it's a lot of organizational skills. You have to be able to coordinate all the trades at the same time, and they have to be ready and willing to go so that you're not losing a day throughout the whole process. Because a lot of those kind of conversions are around three and a half to four months. So actually right now it's been a little bit difficult for that as well, because we're only allowed one trade in at a time. And when we get to finishes, we bring in probably about up to 10 to 12 different trades, kitchen guys, floor guys, trim guys. They all work together. It's, it's a great process when it happens and you can see it done that quickly. But nowadays, right now we're getting one trade in, as as you know, Sarah, from your house in Burlington, it's a bit slower, but it's coming there. And that's just the way we have to deal with it these days. But when it gets back to normal, hopefully soon, we can get back to the process that we're used to because it's really, um, you have to be a little bit OCD about it with in the way you're organizing the whole thing. If, if you're just trying to be a general yourself as an investor, it, it's really tough. You can take that four-month project and easily double the time. So just think about that when you're looking at your cash flow for the last four months that's a lot of extra money that it could have taken. It could easily take, I could tell you a number of people that it's, they've done that too. And it just, it didn't work out because they're, they're too busy working full-time jobs. They're trying to do this in the meantime and they can't schedule in. So what happens is they get stuck at a trade period. They bring in their tiler and tiles get done. And then they think, Oh, well, what's the next step? Oh, I know I need the floor guys. in. So they call, their floor guy and the floor guy says, well, I, I can't get in there for two weeks. They, ha- they don't have a lot of control with a lot of these guys where we have them all the time and it's just becomes a lot easier to flow a system with them. Yeah, that makes sense. So how many properties can you do at the same time? As of right now, even during this time, we're doing about six or seven we've got on the go. And normally we like to maintain 12 to 15 This is a newer company and we've grown to be able to hire a new project manager. So we'll be able to actually attack a lot more. And the reason we did that was so that we could attack a lot more in the sense of working with investors, with conversions, whether they're flips or just regular renovations. People want their bathroom done. We we have to be able to still accommodate the small renovations as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you did mention some people do their own and they self-contract or, or they hire a contractor that, you know, can save a, a lot of time. What is your role? Like, what do you do as a contractor? I'm guessing other than coordinating all the trades. Well, we're involved with obviously uh, watching the budget, quality control, timelines, which is one of the key ones. And then depending on the involvement of the client with, with the, uh, purchasing of uh, appliances and all the fixtures. We sometimes do that. We sometimes don't. So those are kind of the main things we're, we're involved with throughout the project. Uh, and and the, those things take a lot of time. So if, if you're wanting to hire someone, if they say that they're going to themselves physically do each and every trade on that job, the job's going to take a long time. The, the time it takes to, you know, to, to manage the, you know, payroll and all the financial stuff slash client communications slash shopping, which Rob's great at, by the way, <laughs> all those things, they take time, right? So those are what we uh, concentrate on. It's called. And we don't mind doing the shopping, but some clients like I to take like it, it over he, because he, they <laughs> can get a, get a better deal and they get some good deals. And I think Sarah, you're a perfect example of that, but we just lucked out in that sense during this COVID time that it makes it a lot harder for you to shop for that stuff. So it benefited <laughs> us in that sense. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, I just want to take a moment and interrupt the podcast to introduce you to my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsoom, and her team at Streetwise Mortgages. Because everything around us is changing, the world as we know it is not going to be the same. COVID-19, the economic crisis is a time of uncertainty for many of us. And the lending and real estate landscape, they're changing quite rapidly day by day. Today's financing and investment decisions are going to be different than the ones that we made yesterday. Dahlia and her team are going to be able to help us maneuver through all of this. 
They're property investors themselves. So they've worked with thousands of real estate investors across Ontario and they have their pulse and their finger on what's happening around us in real time from a real estate financing and investments point of view. Her team of advisors are committed to helping us keep informed and get that up-to-date information. And they're also going to be able to help us navigate through this crisis to also mitigate and minimize any financial distress during this whole transition and also help us emerge out of this in a strong financial position so that we can leverage ourselves for some great opportunities that are going to be coming to us. They've been able to help many investors in times like this by really planning out your plan for the good, but also for the bad, because these circumstances that are happening are going to be very individual for all of us. And they're going to help navigate three key parts, financial stability, financial agility, and opportunity, and help you manage through those three things. When it comes to stability, how can you enhance your reserves and your liquidity to weather the storm? You're going to have different plans, so it's important to get that individualized plan. How can you utilize mortgage payment deferrals? Should you? Should you not? Why or why not? Any debt restructuring opportunities, those are all things that Dahlia and her team can help you work with. Now, when it comes to financial agility, there's some things that you might want to talk about are how do you make some improvements to your monthly budget so that you can increase your cash flow? Are there any financing tools that you can use to cover some short-term cash flow deficits? When it comes to opportunity, there's going to be some great opportunity that's going to come out of this. How can you set yourself up? for success. So her and her team are going to be able to help you maneuver through these things and create a plan, not only for the good times, but also in times like this, so that you can handle the storm and come out ahead. Feel free to reach out to Dahlia and her team at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to her website, streetwisemortgages.com. And now back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and sometimes like in this case, I pulled back the materials but really ultimately I don't know if it actually made that big of a difference because we still had to go shopping like you said right we still had to go pick stuff out and some and some investors love to do that for the the cost difference I don't think that there was necessarily a cost difference per se now that I I look back at it I mean because you still have good deals on stuff like there's still deals wherever I guess people go but there's still discounts that that you can use and you can share. And, but I think if I were to do this again, I probably just based on the lack of time that I have, let you guys just pick out the finishes and pick out everything (laughs) with that. So what projects next? Potentially a cottage, another cottage. Um, I heard something about that. You know, it's, it's tough. We're, we're debating whether we want another cottage or Costa Rica property. Like there's just a few things like kind of up in the air. And I don't think we're going to do anything until the fall. I think the deals are going to come at that point in time for us personally. Mm. You know, well, check my passport, make sure it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're good for that though. Nice, nice. So, you know, I think ultimately though, like for the difference of cost savings or, or not, and, and my time, I don't necessarily think if I hire a contractor again, I don't think I would necessarily care to remove all the materials as a separate thing. And I think once you do like a project or two with the same contractors, they know what you like, you know, again, you still have to just make sure you don't want to just, you know, let them free reign the whole project. Like you still want, I'm guessing people should still be checking in just to make sure that that's still what they want and things are still going to plan. How do you find your trades? Uh, Monday morning, pretty grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) Usually a bit bit late, but (laughs) no, no, they're... Yeah, so dealing with trades is, it's a whole kind of art in its own, right? And so we have guys that we've come across over the time. And if they are really good at what they do, and they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, on time and respectful and clean, we cherish those guys. And we try to keep them busy so that they stay with us. Now I'm referring to subcontractors. We also have a the employees with us, you know, that's, those are the musts that we have in, in employing someone. So there's always a bit of battle with some of, some of the trades, some of the, maybe some of the tapers, tapers, let's just Painters. call it what it is. Like some, there's some more battles with those type of people, but then your electricians and your plumbers and 
we just have great people that we work yeah, with. Great and, relationships with those. And, and if you do have like a bunch of things going on, then there's naturally there's some loyalty there, right? I think uh, when we used to be, Rob and I used to be painters, we'd be loyal to the people who are continuous, continuously giving us work. And that was like, that worked both ways. So I'm not sure if that answered your question. But are you are you finding them through like uh, like job postings or referrals or like is it mostly referrals from other contractors or other investors? Hundred percent referrals. Yeah, I think that's the best way to find people in general as well. Just ask others that are in that areas and who they're using and who they're working with. Well, let's yeah. ask you how how did you find us when you first met us? You heard about us or what what happened? You were a referral from Dave Knight and Matt. I think you guys do a lot of uh, jobs for cops. So, <laughs> so that's how that's how that happened. And that was and Matt would always mention, oh, you know, we should we should look at having Rob do it in the next job. So then we saw your Oakville house that you did, and we actually almost bought it even for us to just move into. <laughs> we're like, oh, this is really nice. So. So that's how that happened. And then we hired you to do Burlington. See, so it comes down to, and really what these investors or clients should be looking at is it comes back to go do your homework, check out. We're always willing as a company to bring clients out to our job sites. It's, it's great because they're usually empty and they can see the process and they can dive in and see your finishes and whatnot, but definitely check them out, do your research, do two or three trades and check them all out. See what you're, you're getting from these guys. Absolutely. So, okay. So here's a question. Like if I'm going into, or an investor is going into a property, what are some of the things before they call you that they should look out for? Like big ticket items that are going to cost a lot of money. Like how do you, in your mind, um, not knowing a whole lot about renovations, figure out, okay, how much is this actually going to cost? Like, can we get some rough ideas of like averages for an investment type of property? going through something. So like if it needs a new kitchen, like what's the average cost? If it needs a new bathroom, what's the average cost? Again, no one's going to hold you to anything, but (laughs) (laughs) on average in 2020 as an investment, basic rental, finish it. Go ahead, Joel. (laughs) (laughs) You take one, I'll take the other. You do kitchen, I'll do So usually kitchens, you're looking at anywhere from eight to 10,000 from start to finish from your cabinetries, your counters, and everything. You can definitely take that on a higher end and go high end on everything or medium end or even low end. But every investor is different. They seem, we have some that like to do the lower profile, just, you know, paint the trims, leave some of the cabinets, just paint it, refresh it, make it look okay. It saves them some costs, but I don't think it gets them the actual higher rents that they could be getting from it. I've always been prone to do the little extras, do some like nice closet feature walls, you know, just little things. This is what people are looking for. And that's, what's going to get you some of the higher rents for these duplex conversions. Uh, that's just my opinion. I mean, I did that on my own and I found value in it. People were loving that kind of stuff. I've even found it when we've done a few flips, it's been the same kind of uh, atmosphere for that kind of stuff, but there definitely are people that uh, they they don't want to they don't want to spend on that portion just to save the money and and I I hear that in the sense of they're they're trying to stay within their budget and but the key is to try and stay within that budget then and make it work for them. Right. I mean, I I think kitchen and bathrooms are going to be your biggest bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Right. Bathrooms are looking like you can do a pretty basic bathroom for probably like eight k. It's, I mean, we, we do a lot of custom bathrooms and you can take those up to like 30, 40 K for just one bathroom. So it's just yeah. for an investor, for those conversions or any kind of a flip, you really don't want to be spending more than 8 K in, in a bathroom, but get your basics. Get, you can still get some nice finishes. Uh, yeah. It'll get, pass. get a nice tub with some nice white tile, subway tile, something like that. And a nice vanity and some, decent fixtures and it'll really kind of look clean and pop and it'll be durable long-term and it won't, you know, won't hurt the budget. Yeah, absolutely. A few months ago when you mentioned that most of your even high-end homes have Ikea 
for kitchens, it was still pretty surprising. And then when you look at some of the the properties that have the Ikea kitchens, because you guys finish them like at the top and everything, they don't even remotely look like Ikea kitchens when they're done. And I mean, they even had vinyl floors, like same kind of finishes. It's just how you tie it in. If you've got some good carpenters to tie it in, there's a lot of contractors we see just throw the boxes up and it's just call it what it is. But people come in and they look at it and it looks shoddy. It doesn't, it doesn't appeal to anybody's eye. They just think, oh yeah, anybody could do that. So they don't really see the high level skill that a carpenter brings to the table of making it look a little more custom. We should yeah. do a time-lapse video of that sometime. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, I'm thinking about it because you can sort of show before and after, but the time that it takes to do that, including the painting. Yeah. That'd be actually great. a good idea. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Before and after, I mean, and just in different budget types, right. Or different, different types of conversions or different types of projects. Cause a lot of the, the birds that I've done were single family. I'm doing the, the triplex now, you know, you guys are working on the Burlington one, which is technically a single family, but two units. Somebody has got a budget. Like, let's just say my budget is, $50,000 and I want to, to renovate, what's the biggest bang for my buck? Like, where should my money go? So we'll paint your house for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Not 50, us physically, don't be silly. <laughs> no, but 50000 on a budget for a single family, you, you want to do some of the facial lifts. You want to do the floors, the kitchen, the baths. You're not going to be able to touch the trim and doors. You want to paint, refresh it, maybe throw a few bucks into the landscaping outside. And it, it's really just all facial. No hardcore ripping down load-bearing walls and getting into heavy electrical and HVAC costs. For a lot of yeah. people that want to know the heavy costs when they're going into a property, look at the exterior, look at the roof, look at the windows, look at the doors. It's going to be very hard to tell in a basement setting where a lot of these people do conversions if it's finished because a lot of the times they already have finished walls and you want to be able to see the foundation. Does it have any leaks? Because that's an extra 10K bill on you when you get inside and you got to add that to your conversion cost. Even equipment like, you know, furnace, AC, is it doable? Is it going to last for a couple of years or do we have to replace it? Those are big bills that are coming up that are... I mean, if you get the right contract and you get the right price, great. But those three Ks and five Ks will add up and they'll definitely take you over your budget. Yeah. And especially because they don't help with the after repair value necessarily. And that's usually the properties I avoid are the ones with foundation issues that need all new windows, a new furnace, a new roof. Like one item is fine, but if, as long as it's not foundation, I usually pass on that. But what, like if something needs a new roof, we'll, we'll do the new roof, but ultimately you're never going to get the best best bang for your dollar at that point in time. And it's never going to help your after repair value. So like what I found is, you know, kitchen bathrooms, flooring, paints, and just uh, like finishes, right? The lights and the handles and that kind of stuff help with the getting the best value anyways. Is that what you guys are finding too? I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. The sexy finishes, the yeah, the trim finishes. Sometimes. No, like the the stuff that you know draws your eye in versus the oh yeah, we we have more insulation in the attic. Yeah, okay, we- we'll take your word for it. <laughs> but people will want to pay more when they can see something, especially having it uh, like a before and after where it really changed. And they really don't even need to see that much. A lot of people go into like two or three different feature walls or something. You you just need one little aspect because a lot of the times even on a flip house i've noticed that people come in they want to buy it and it's just based on that little flower that's hanging on the friggin counters in the kitchen and they fall in love with the house and it has nothing to do with the one hundred and fifty thousand you just put into it yeah it's only fifty thousand for that flower yeah <laughs> which is pretty good deal though, actually that's funny i think you guys did an accent wall or i saw a picture of it on uh, on walnut there right yeah we did shiplap on one of your walls there which is just a really good look, I find. It's yeah, just it clean. It's, you know, you can paint it an accent color or just even keep it white. But those, those uh, sort of horizontal lines look kind of really slick. So do you guys have any, like, cool stories or, like, contractor gone wrong, a.k.a. you guys having to take over stories that you can share with the audience just for, like, a little bit of uh, entertainment purposes? Yeah, one that comes to my mind immediately is... Uh, I, I through referral, I, I was I was called by some lady. She seemed a little bit panicky, and so I went over to her house that night with her husband and her. And she said, "We've been in this renovation for four four months, I believe, at the time." She said, 
I don't think it's going quite right. And she's like, I, I don't know that this is done properly. So I took, you know, a closer look and, and it was, there's just, uh, there's so many atrocities happening there. And so we had to change all the flooring that they put down, both upstairs and downstairs. The tiling, when we ended up doing the job, all the tiles came off without breaking. They weren't like, there was no subfloor. They just put them on <laughs> some dusty OSB and it came off. All the plumbing was, was done to the point where it wasn't properly soldered on. And so we had to go open up all the walls, check all the plumbing. They had no permits for even electrical, which was it's just really bad. It was a do-it-yourselfer kind of doing all those things. You don't want that type of person, especially if you want to live in that house, dealing with like uh, your, your plumbing and your electrical and your gas, right? So I felt really bad because the first night I met them, I left and she was crying because it was such a nightmare. But we were able to rectify it for them. Obviously, it cost them more money. But uh, that, was, that was what comes to mind first when it comes to just a nightmare job. And you almost like you just want her to feel better about it, and even though, you know, it's just costing them more money. It felt, it felt good to finish the project properly, but uh, it wasn't a good scenario for them to begin with. No, absolutely. That's why it's important to do our homework and right. from referrals because my thoughts are that person probably was not a referral from somebody else that was happy and, and used them before. So thanks for sharing. It's always good to have uh, some stories for just there's good and there's bad and there's very ugly in all the businesses. And when it comes to renovations, there's definitely a lot of bad and ugly. Right. There is. What about stories with like neighbors? Cause you gave me a great idea of like giving the neighbors gift cards for the LCBO, like $25 and like a little letter. And they love that. Right. So like now that there's construction, like they're not super upset about it. Um, you know, like have has, that ever been an issue? Like, how did you come up with that idea? Like, it's a great idea. I, I did that ever since the beginning. That's why I told you to do it. It's uh, something I did even when I bought my very first house. It, it's just a way to get your name in the community and get your neighbors to know you. And just if anything goes wrong and that neighbor is even thinking for one minute, hey, I'm going to call because that person didn't cut his grass or whatever right. it may be. Like, you're just eliminating a lot of problems in the beginning because they're thinking, oh, this person gave me a nice little LCBO gift card in the mail or something like that. It's just smart to do in any occasion, whether you're doing a renovation or not, or moving to the neighborhood or not. Yeah, I think it's just keeping the peace too. We were doing one job on like a little court and I always ask the guys to park on the one side, you know, to limit traffic uh, reduction. Mm -hmm. for some reason I parked on the other side of the road that day for like 10 minutes. And I saw this lady go by and she was rude. I could tell she was upset. Anyway, sure enough, later that day, the ministry of labor showed up <laughs> and they said, Oh, you got to do this, you gotta do this, which is fine. It's valid. There's certain things that we just had to adjust to make him happy. He was pretty happy in general, but we, if we hadn't had everything together, we would have been shut down. Right. So just by keeping the peace, it avoids, you know, potential delays or big delays. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. We had um, in Brantford, we had Matt's dad working on uh, one of the little tiny porch and a neighbor had called because somebody had called on him. So he wanted to get it back. And it wasn't obviously it wasn't us that called on him, but he wanted to get back because he was angry that somebody had ratted him out back in the day. So we had to stop. We had to get the permits for like the smallest porch ever, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. But like sometimes that's just what happens, right? Is you, you just get the neighbors complaining. So treat them well from the start. That was a, a great tip. Like they actually asked us when it was snowing, there was a snowstorm. They sent a message to Matt saying, do you want me to shovel your driveway? I thought that was pretty nice. Oh, awesome. Yeah. See, it works. <laughs> yeah. Do yeah. some money. You know, <laughs> you mentioned Dave Knight, but he got, a, he, <laughs> he got a few fines for not shoveling his sidewalk in one of the jobs we were doing on the weekends. In the week we would do it for him. <laughs> he got like six or 800 bucks fine just for not shoveling a driveway. Oh no. That's another story. That's kind of silly. That's, that's tough, right? Of course, like he's in an, an area that, well, his properties are in an area that's like a little bit more traveled. Right. Yeah. They are. And I think the city where he's at is a little bit more a pain in the ass too. They're definitely strict. <laughs> so what do you, what areas do you guys cover? Well, everywhere but Toronto. 
<laughs> including Costa Rica. <laughs> We're typically like Oakville all the way around sort of the Golden Horseshoe. Yeah. So sometimes we dip into Mississauga, but I mean, right now we would even do Toronto with the way traffic is, but obviously in the next month that will be changing. But we try to, we try to keep a, a geography where we can be attending a job every day, whether it's Rob or I or, or our uh, project manager, just so that everything's, you know, kind of uh, anything, any problems are caught or we know exactly what's going on each and every job. So out of the two of you, plus your project manager and your 12 to 14 projects that you've got on the go every day, you guys are somewhere to check in. Definitely. Yeah. You have to be. It's, it changes so uh, quickly. Every night, Joel and I go over a just different game plan, a different schedule. And we work off of a new app called Builder Trend. I don't know if any viewers are uh, familiar with it, but it, it really helps us and it really helps the client. They can sign into this program, this app, and they can see if they have their drawings there, any side notes, they can see the schedule of where their house is at. It's a pretty new program we've started, but it's uh, really beneficial. I can see some benefits from it coming for our company. That's cool. Can you uh, sign me up on that? I'd like to try it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. I'm worried because you can assign to-do lists. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> if you get on that, we'll have like all these to-do lists. I don't know. <laughs> No, you know what? I think I, I'm actually like so hands off, like in comparison to a lot of people, because like I get your daily, you know, pictures and videos. Um, and also like, here's my take on it is like, you guys have a lot to lose. Like if I'm not happy and, or I'm happy, your referrals will either be there or they won't be there. <laughs> It's true. It goes a long way. Back to what you said about uh, a lot of the cops that we do. Like if you mess up one of those, I mean, we've probably done like 58 of them, 60. I can't even count. Like I said, we've probably done and then gave you an exact number. I can't even remember. There's so many of them. But if you mess up one of those guys, your name is going to just flow through the whole system. Reputation is everything in your business. Definitely. And, and my guess is that's how you get the majority of the people that you work with is a referral from another referral, whoever that is. Right. Exactly. Right. So yeah. my concern is like, if, if somebody's listening to this and you're like finding somebody on Kijiji and they're available, like right away, I would question that. That'd be a huge red flag for me. And if, yeah. if you're not getting referrals, like that's the only way I would do, I would do the, like any trades or really anybody on my team at, at this point, right? Even a realtor, like if I'm going to Costa Rica, I want a referral from somebody that's that I trust that maybe have, have worked with this person or you know knows them to some capacity. So I think that's the, the biggest piece to making real estate investing more simple because this could be very complicated having the wrong people. And I like, I've had issues where like I've had to fire contractors or handyman in the past because of like alcoholic drinking on the job, drugs, like, I mean, you name it. <laughs> like we've had projects that have been delayed maybe a month and a half because of a drug problem. And like, again, it like, you know, shit happens. It is what it is. But, you know, at some point it's like, okay, do you want to, you know, manage all the trades yourself or do you want to just hire out a contractor that you can trust and like, you know, I won't lie, like you guys are not the cheapest, but I also don't have to worry and spend any time doing anything. And I'm like, oh, I don't feel like looking for lights. I'm like, Rob, can you just text me which lights to get or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like just like all the like all the little details. But I think most importantly, you know, there, there's just a time and place for babysitting. And there's some projects that I'd be willing to do it on. And this is not one of them. Um, I think it's yeah. You know, I, you, again, like not everybody necessarily wants to hire a contractor. Some people want to contract it out, but just know that it comes with managing a lot of trades and you're going to have to be there a lot more often. You're going to be doing a lot, like you guys are just saying like you're there every single day. When I had to property manage, I was there not every day, but quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And especially when, you know, things were going downhill a little bit, I needed to actually physically be there. And I ended up even doing some work, which I'm horrible at, absolutely horrible at doing any of this work. But I ended up painting because I'm like, I don't know if I trust this guy anymore. And then we had to fire him. And then I think he threw rock in my window afterwards. <laughs> Anyways, you know, like everyone's, oh. everyone's got like a horrible story with trades or contractors. So yeah. definitely get referrals. This one was not a referral. And you know what? Everyone makes their mistakes and, and learn. 
me. It was not a referral from somebody that's actually worked with them. It was a referral from somebody that just happened to meet them. Mm-hmm. And they did a good job on one of the properties and then the other property, it just went downhill. So when you're looking for trades and you're finding trades, like you guys probably deal with the same stuff. It's just, you're, you're like that cushion. So we don't have to hear it, right? You're dealing with it. You're firing, you're probably hiring, you know, like, is that kind of this day-to-day stuff that you're also dealing with? Yeah, we use a lot of the same ones. It takes a lot for us to get rid of one of the trades that we've already been using because we've worked with them so well and so hard to get that relationship. But definitely we're always out there looking. But I, I hear the headaches from clients all the time about contractors. And one of the things Joel and I were talking about is actually when we're dealing with jobs for start to finish, they want us to take over, they don't have time. A lot of these people have an uncle or a brother that can do drywall or something. And we hear this commonly all the time. And it's so difficult for us to steer them away from that. But it's, we kind of have to be on board and say, okay, well, but it really interrupts their, their timelines. And it's not beneficial for the client or the investor to be using that family member. I mean, I have a family member that's an electrician or this, that, and the other, and I, I don't even use them. And they're great people. They, they're very successful businesses. they good companies, but it's not good to mix the business and mix different contractors with other contractors. The reason we work so well with our team is because they all know each other. If these subtrades miss something, we can get the other subtrade to grab something that the other guy missed. And it's not necessarily his job to do, but he'll do it for us. And a lot of the times clients don't have to play with those trades to be able to say that or. I, yeah. I, th- I think also, Sarah, you're also, you're kind of alluding to the kind of buffer zone that we offer. Like what we do, it, it's a full-time job. And that's assuming like we've been doing this for a while and we have a, a list of guys we can call, but you're right in that there are things that happen. The client doesn't hear about because that's our stress to bear and not you guys. So that's just the other advantage to hiring a contractor versus trying to contract everything yourself. If, if you're doing it, if you're working full-time, and, and, or you have a number of properties, even just the one, it's a lot of time. And what's your time worth? That's the real question. What's your time? Your time is valuable. And if you're adding time to do this, it takes away from your family or your other job. And you're also increasing your stress load for a lot of people. It's not really worth it. Right? Like we'll we'll bear that stress for you. Right? Yeah. I think that's the thing, right? Is you got to work on your business, not in your business, but sometimes by managing all the trades and self-contracting, depending on the project size and the ARV and the numbers, it may just not make sense to try to do it all. If you're handy, that's sometimes if somebody's handy, that's like a detriment because they're going to try to do it themselves rather than, you know, looking for the next deal or working on the business and, and working on where are you going to get the most profit from they're working on painting or doing the drywall. And that's, that's the time, right? But I think we all do real estate because we want freedom and we want to be able to like change our lives financially and free up some time, right? I don't want to work forever. I don't want to be working 40 hours a week either. So that's, that's what real estate does for me. Now, in terms of your types of properties that you're jobs that are small that are big are you are you specifically doing anything and everything are you focusing on specific types of renovations what are you mostly doing in terms of contracting well we do we do work for a lot of investors so that's doing projects like your own and sometimes bigger ones like triplexes and stuff and then we also have a lot of clients where they're living in the house or they want to build like they want to do an addition on their home or we've done a few from scratch and that's, uh, that's kind of like the second part of our business, if that makes sense. We do like to do the uh, investments because they're, they, they're sort of continual work. And then we also like to do some more of the custom stuff because, you know, it's, it, it's sometimes, you know, just a change of scenery. And, and it's also, they're always a little bit more unique in, in how they're doing it. So it kind of keeps us both, you know, interested by, by having the business a bit split like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Now you guys created a business together. Like what's each of your roles? Like, are you doing both the same or are you dividing and conquering? How does that work? 
Yeah, we have different strengths. Rob doesn't have any, and I have all of them. <laughs> but uh, no, Rob. Rob's more. Uh, you know, he's he he has he's he deals with clients more than I do, and I'm more a little bit more the administrator sort of thing. And I don't mind putting a tool tool bag or pouch on once in a while. <laughs> Rob, his hands are softer than you can imagine. He hasn't worked in a long time, so we have different interests in that. And and, and so Rob actually mentioned years ago we had uh, he was working for me, and we kind of went our own way for a while. And we both kind of started in in this type of thing, and, and not because of anything else, but we're just we tend to be. I don't know. We're just people like us, and they trust us. And so we we got into different things where we started managing people, and then businesses grew, and then then we decided, well, maybe we would be stronger together than apart, right? Because we and, and it kind of makes sense because different strengths. I acknowledge I cannot do everything. I'm not strong at everything, and it took a while for Rob to realize the same, but he did as well. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to add to that. that on the paperwork for the company, it, it does show my name as president and Joel as secretary. So. Yeah. So you can tell who has a little bit of humility. And <laughs> but on a, on a serious note, if I have a property and I'm walking through it and I want to video somebody, one of you guys, who is it going to be? You're definitely calling me. Yeah. Call Rob. You're going to go through it. You're putting the quote together. And then Joel, you're doing all the admin stuff and a lot of the on-site stuff. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I have we have a project manager who does a lot of that stuff. But yeah, we put the quote together. You know, usually after Rob goes through all the details about the job, but Rob will be your guy. And if anyone wants to call him, if they're unsure about a property and they want to do this, you know, a FaceTime video, that's just you know that's a great way to kick potentially catch some great pluses or minuses with the project we don't mind doing or he doesn't <laughs> mind doing that especially if you need a rough number right away it's just something that a house is going you got multiple offers on and you just need some kind of rough budget on what that kind of will be i've had a numerous clients call me and just walk me through the house on the video and just show me i just need to see the layout of the house and what you can do to it and i can usually give you a, a pretty rough ballpark for yeah, absolutely. Without seeing behind the walls, obviously. Oh, but nobody can see behind the walls. So until you get to that stage, we can usually assume by what we're seeing on the face of the walls, though, on what we might be into. All right. Sounds good. And then usually what kind of time or leeway do you need? Like if I need something done started in a week from now, is that too short notice or is there like a certain schedule you're working with? There's definitely always a schedule, but yeah, Sarah, we'll jump on it for you tomorrow. No problem. <laughs> no, but any, have like, a permit, yeah. <laughs> right now it's a little difficult to start anything as right. we all know. Of course. But yeah. The more time, the better, but usually clients are purchasing the project and that uh, closing time is enough time to get into our schedule. Makes sense. Okay. Yep. Sounds good. Cause you've got the 12 to 14 projects going on at once. So you have enough people to be able to add, a few projects as well within that the reason for the merger is just so that we could handle more because we were both finding it quite hard to manage multiples at a time. I think we got up to eight on our own and it was just, it was too much. We realized what, what we were missing and what we needed to uh, join together to be able to handle them all. Right. You know, one of the things I will say is the quality of your work is definitely very good. And, and you know, sometimes when I'm walking through like, you're, like, um, you know, multi-million dollar house in Oakville as an example, like I'm going to be much pickier than a Brantford fur as an example, right? And I do like the quality of your work. How do you ensure that your trades meet that quality requirement that you guys have? Well, for a lot of the, uh, the licensed guys, it's, you know, we have experience with them and they, you know, they're passing their permits and all that stuff. But when it comes to things like painters and carpenters, like, I swear a good carpenter, if you find him, hang on to him. Don't let him go and retire on you like one of our guys is trying to do. It's so important because those are the things that tie the whole place together, right? So painting, tiling, carpentry, flooring even. Definitely true, yeah. Those are, like, those are the, the trades that can always be better and worse, right? When you deal with electricians, yeah, they did it perfect. Everything works. Plumbers, everything works. Carpentry, you can always 
pursue to be more of a craftsman. Okay. That's good to know. Awesome. So the final part of this podcast is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you a series of five questions. Everybody gets the same five questions and you're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Um, One sec. Go ahead, Rob. Rob seems really nervous. By the way, like you guys are hilarious because they were texting me all of these these questions like hey what what are you know how does this go like this is my first podcast you guys are doing a really good job for your first podcast and being super nervous (laughs) (laughs) don't worry these questions are harmless all right question number one if you don't know you can pass or one of you guys can answer what is your favorite real estate investing book ever sarah larby did you write a book no not yet (laughs) we're waiting for it (laughs) okay do you guys read no more more sports magazines than real real estate investing no we read we read all right sounds good okay number two what is your favorite podcast (laughs) this one being our first one i would say is pretty good do you guys listen to podcasts oh i do a lot yeah i like uh some of the more popular ones like the daily and joe rogan and stuff like that all right awesome Question number three, what is your favorite pastime? What do you do for fun when it's not your work or real estate? Kids for me, love it. I got three little ones and they're everything to me. It's just so much fun to get home to them. Good. Joel? Yeah, I, I like windsurfing when the, when oh, the cool. season's right. I also have a kid on the way, so maybe I'll be Rob's answer in a month's time. <laughs> Congrats. Question number four. If you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? <laughs> Holy shit. Working hard. <laughs> Working hard for sure. I definitely just start probably trying to invest in real estate again. Okay. All right. Good. And last question. If somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started in real estate investing, how would you recommend they spend it? I think both of us could answer on this one. Definitely invest in whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Wow. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> What's that? So, how would, so what do you think they would actually do? Serious question though. No, great. You get, no, I, I would invest in, in a project. Like, you, like you, you spelled it out for us earlier when you talk about doing like a more facelift on a project. Like, find the perfect property that doesn't need a new roof and furnace and, and isn't, you know, doesn't have a leaky foundation and spend 50 grand on that. Yeah. As long as that's not their only 50 grand, cause they still need the down payment money. Right. Right. I wasn't sure you, you weren't clear enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. So guys, obviously your, your expertise is being contractors and the whole renovation part of everything. Where can the listeners find out more about you and reach out? Uh, either through our website, which is whiteelmdesignbuild.com or you can follow us on Instagram, which is just at whiteelmdesignbuild. All right. Awesome guys. Thanks for being on the show. You guys are hilarious. I will say the jokes that, go on on whatsapp with these guys is hilarious like i'm laughing every single day this is like very entertaining but i am also very confident that they're doing a great job so thanks guys for being on the show thanks sarah thank you so much for having us hey guys before you go i wanted to ask you a question what's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons, and at the time, they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away, and eventually, only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that, and the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked, and also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called RISE, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster 
and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.